0: Hey, Pathway family, thanks for joining us today in another in our series called Simply Christmas, where we're talking about peace. This is one of those things that a lot of people are after. We look for peace in kinds of arenas of our lives, and definitely we look for peace within the world around us. And what I find fascinating is that, as we look throughout the scriptures, there's always been this desire for peace. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn with me to the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah talks about peace in a really unique way that I want us to look at this morning. Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. And if you don't know where the book of Isaiah is, in the beginning of your Bible, there is a table of contents. People work really hard to put it there. Don't be ashamed to use it. Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. And when you have it, just, you know, Read it out with me if you like. But here we go. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And it says, um, for, us, sorry, for to us a child is born, to us a child is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you so much for this morning, or just whenever somebody is listening to this and taking this in, Lord, that you would move within our hearts and point us in your direction as we consider this topic of peace. Lord, would you uh, remove any sense of chaos and anxiety as we walk towards you in our deepening understanding of peace and your desire for that within our lives. In your name I pray. Amen. So the context of what we're talking about today in terms of this Christmas season is. A beautiful thing called the Pax Romana. Now, that may be a strange phrase for you. You may not have heard of it, or maybe you have, but the Pax Romana really just translates from the Latin as the Roman peace. You see, Rome had been a warring nation. And previous to this, there were battles upon battles upon battles and, and there wasn't any uh, unity, you could say, within Rome. There were always these generals that were battling one another. Until finally, that Rome was brought together under Caesar Augustus. And under Caesar Augustus, you started to see the expansion of Rome, but you also started to see other countries kind of fold into Rome. And in doing so, um, all the protection and everything that came with being part of a Roman citizen expanded to all over the place. So even within this, we we see that this spanned about 200 years of history, uh, dating from, and this is where, it clues in, and I think it gets pretty exciting as we as we look at this. It dates from 27 BC to about 180 AD, which means that this is considered the golden age of Rome. Uh, Rome enjoyed a, a lot of peace in this and experienced about two centuries of prosperity, so it just grew and it became more affluent. And and even within it, we when we read the scriptures and we and we listen to the accounts of, of history and the Maccabean Revolt, if you're interested in any of that kind of stuff stuff to look up, we find that, that Rome could be brutal in its governance. Uh, the Mediterranean world, even within that brutality from time to time, still benefited from the peace of Rome. The citizens of Rome had protection, and again, everybody prospered uh, to the best of their ability. And so Rome's peace was good you could say it was real but it wasn't complete there was something lacking um, in the sense that it dealt with these external power structures but it didn't really do anything for the human heart i mean certainly it made people feel more secure in different cities but again it just didn't do anything for the for the heart and so the peace of Rome was good but if i could say this the peace of God is better and while Rome, uh, the peace that was there was delivered by an emperor, the peace of God was about to be delivered through the king of kings in the form of a baby, initially, as we read the, king, the Christmas story. And, and the cool part about this, in, in all of this, is that Jesus has some words regarding peace in this context. See, the world and, pe- and the peace that it offers, it kind of comes and goes. But the peace of God is always available to everyone, through Christ. And here's what I mean. In John 14, 27, Jesus actually says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, and I do not give as the world gives. That's an important point. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. So when Jesus says, do not give as the world gives, or he does not give as the world gives, the world he's talking about is Rome. And Rome is in this time of Pax Romana. There's a Roman peace. And so what he's saying here is, listen, this stuff that we've got going on in the world around us right now, this Roman peace that we are experiencing, well, it's not really much of peace at all. As a matter of fact, there was a chieftain, and I believe he was up in Scotland. I don't recall his name just off the top of my head. But as I was studying, I came across a quote where he says, and I love this quote, he says, Rome comes in, it creates a desert and calls it peace. That's an interesting Comet, right? I mean, it's this whole idea that Rome comes in, and it conquers, and it kind of destroys everything in its path. And then it says, okay, well, now we have peace, because now you're part of the Roman Empire. And Jesus comes along, and he says, listen, the peace I'm offering you, it's not like the peace of the world. It's not this peace that is harsh and, and, and destroys things. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you do not give as the world gives, do not let your hearts be troubled, do not be afraid. And so one of the beautiful things here that we understand from what Jesus is talking about is that he says that with his peace, that we don't need to have our hearts be troubled, we do not need to be afraid. And I have to say that in in the world that we live in, there's a lot of insecurities within our world. People have financial insecurities, they have relational insecurities, people are insecure about the kind of parents they're being, and Some people are insecure about the kind of kids they're being. We have insecurity within our marriages and our jobs. And our world is riddled with insecurity just even on a personal level. And people are insecure about who they are and what they are about. And we also have the insecurities that we have within our nations in terms of our political insecurities and economic insecurities. And so we live in a world that offers this notion of peace, but it's not the kind of peace. That Jesus offers. Here's what I mean. I think it's important that we look at the kinds of peace that Jesus offers. And, and as I would say that, that one of the key pieces here, one of the most significant um, kinds of peace that Jesus offers, is peace with God. And along with that comes the peace of God. But he offers us peace with God. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's a word in there that you may and or may not understand the meaning of, and that word is justified. We have been justified through faith. Now, here, here's what I can tell you. The word saved in English can actually be translated within the scriptures in three different ways, dependent on the use of the word at the time. And so here, when it says justified, that is one of the words. For saved. Here's what I mean. The word saved can be translated as justified, sanctified, and then glorified. The whole idea behind it is that you have been saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. And so here, it's talking about that moment. You've accepted Christ as Lord, you have been justified. In other words, you are saved through faith. And that brings for you something incredible. It brings you peace with God through Jesus. What an awesome image. So here's what Jesus is saying then. When, when we talk about ultimate peace, when we talk about the future of all things, where people might be insecure about what happens after we pass away, Jesus comes along and he says, listen, I got you. The peace that I offer you is peace with God through me. So when you have faith in Christ, you have peace with God, which means you're saved. And you don't have to worry about what comes next. Now, if you need more about this, the next passage I want to share with you actually offers this idea of what peace with God looks like, but then also what peace with each other looks like. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 to 16, here's what it says. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who is made the two groups into one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside his flesh, the law, with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, and thus making peace, and in one body reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility." Now, I'll give you a little bit of background here. Uh, Just a few verses before this, verses 11 and 12, uh, Paul is talking to the Ephesian church. And so these are uh, Gentiles. And so there was this big division between Gentiles and and Israel, and and Gentiles were considered unclean, and, and certainly Israel was considered the righteous. And so you don't have them mixing. There was not this intermingling that was taking place and so here paul is saying hey listen you were once far from god you were not you didn't have access to, to the promises of god in verse 12 you you were distant from god you just didn't have any hope with god and he says that jesus himself is our peace he he says that in christ you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of christ so again he provides peace with god through himself jesus himself Is our peace, and we have access to God. We have access to the promises. We have hope. As Pastor Andrew spoke about last week, there is hope in Christ. And here, what we find is that not only is there hope, but there is peace. And the peace that he offers is this peace with with God, which is amazing, right? Because now we have this eternal God who we now have access to, who loves us, who sent his son to die for us. Uh, But there was this barrier between he and us, and now that barrier is gone. That hostility that was once there, that was once there, is no longer there. That's amazing. I mean, think about that. Perfect God interacting with imperfect people saying, hey, I want you. And Jesus becomes our peace in that. And then along with that, he, he, he gets rid of the hostility between us and God, and he gets rid of the hostility between two people groups that were completely hostile. one was completely unacceptable to the other. And so what he does here, he says, you know, he reconciles both of them, right? He makes us into one body and he reconciles both to God through the cross. And so not only do we have peace with God in this context, but we also then have peace with one another. Like the reality is, is that, that there is this notion within the scriptures that we're one. Romans also tells us that, Look, the reality is, is that I don't belong to myself. I belong to you and you belong to me. And in looking after one another, we have ourselves looked after. There is this communal understanding of what it means to be the people of God. What an incredibly awesome picture. When we live in a world where people feel more isolated, more insecure in their relationships, we find that the scriptures bring peace into that because we belong to one another. And we are both reconciled then to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility, talking about the Israelites and the Gentiles. And so there's this amazing um, opportunity for us to be able to engage with God and with each other in a way that's very different from the world. Again, remember, the peace he gives us is not the same as the peace the world gives us. Now, the peace the world gives us is conditional in the sense that uh, it can be broken. It can be hostile. It, it, it tends to be us-focused, very self-focused. But the peace with God is is pretty straightforward. Jesus pays the price. We now have access to the Father, and we have better access towards each other. We're one, and that is for eternity. This this is this is something to remember that this is an eternal now relationship, and so even in that. Um, You know, we're good with the God part, the part with each other we sometimes struggle with because we're broken people. But if I could say this, listen, we're going to be eternity together forever. Maybe we should start playing nice now. Uh, Just a thought. So he provides peace with God, peace with each other. But not only that, he actually provides peace in the circumstances that we experience in life. One of my favorite passages on this is one that I came across not that long ago. I was doing my Bible reading, and I really love the book of Isaiah. And so I was going through Isaiah, and I came across Isaiah 26, verse 3. Now, it's become one of my favorite passages. Uh, I can tell you honestly that as I go through the scriptures, there are different passages that kind of spring out at me at different times. This is one of those ones that sprung out at me this time. Here's what it says. Talking about, God, Isaiah referencing God in this. He says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Catch that? You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast. It means that we're we're committed and we're focused on Him, uh, both in our inclinations and in our character. It points back to Him and we reference Him as our starting place and any place for all things. And it says that that we get this perfect peace because we trust in Him. And so the result then, you could say, of our focus on God is that we get a perfect peace from God. Understand that. That there's activity on our part in this as well. If If we want peace in all the circumstances that we have in life, then we need to be focused on Him. We need to be committed to Him. We need to have a a, just this incredibly intentional space where he becomes everything, the starting place and the ending place for us. And when we do, we get a perfect peace from God. And we're only going to live with this peace in, in the life that we have now to the level that we live out that union that we have with God. So here's what I mean. If presently I don't have any relationship with the Lord at all, well, if I have no relationship, I will have no perfect peace. If I have minimal relationship with him, okay, then it stands to reason that the peace that I will experience with him on in everyday circumstances is going res- well, to be the result of whatever level of relationship I have with him. So here's the question. How much are you deep diving into that relationship? especially as we're experiencing different circumstances in life. The extent to which we will have that perfect peace in our lives is dependent on how connected we are in that union with Him. And that's what it says here. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Our minds are committed. He becomes number one, not number two. He's the priority, not second, because we trust in Him. And so every situation, we understand that God is with us. He is ready. He's willing to lead us, empower us, sustain us, and fill us with, our, with His peace. But it's in response to our trust in Him. You know, we can take that a little further. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, listen, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And, and, and I love the it's sort of this idea of if then statements, right? And he says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So let's go to the beginning of this. Because we're talking about everyday circumstances, right? That Jesus brings peace to our everyday circumstances. Do not be anxious about anything, like anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, doesn't that sound a little bit like the passage in Isaiah where it says that we need to be having our focus on Him, that we are steadfast, right? Because we trust in Him. In trusting in Him, then we're gonna go to Him and we're gonna go to Him with prayer and we're gonna go to Him with uh, petition. We're gonna be thankful for the things that we have in life and we're gonna present these requests to God. Why? Because He's our starting place and He's our ending place, and he's the one who sustains us. And we know that because the, the following passage tells us, he says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so the peace of God outdoes everything we can experience on this earth. It doesn't matter what it is, the peace of God transcends it. And so if we place our lives in the capable hands of the Father, then we can trust that his perfect, pleasing plans will be done in our lives. Look, I have seen families go through some of the most excruciatingly painful experiences. Experiences that one would think, and and I've heard people say, I don't know what people would do without Jesus in this. So maybe it's the passing of a loved one or, or any other kinds of difficulties that they might have. They often say, what do people do without Jesus? You know, the answer is that uh, it's just hard. It's harder, I think, I believe. And the reason is because they don't have access to what we have access to. And they don't have access to that perfect peace because they haven't accepted Jesus. We have. And so when you accept Christ, you have access to the perfect peace. But you've got to go to Him. You've got to be steadfast. You've got to be committed. You've got to trust in Him. Which means with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, we present our requests to God and then we'll experience his peace. Why? Well, because we're focused on him, we're committed to him. He's first, he's last, he's our sustainer. The other kind of peace that we find that I think is also very important in all of this is that Jesus gives us our peace with God and each other. He gives us peace in the circumstances of life, including the circumstances, quite frankly, that we're in right now. Look, things seem like they're all over the place, and a lot of people are anxious and frustrated. And and, and when we see that in the way people communicate with each other, seek peace. Seek peace. Not hostilities, not frustrations. Seek peace. And then that kind of leads into this next point. You see, the, the beauty of the Scriptures, the beauty of what Jesus teaches us is that what we receive, we give right? So we receive grace, we give grace, we receive love, we offer love, we receive the gospel, we give the gospel. And so in this, we receive peace. And so then we, he provides us with what you could say was the ministry of peace. Remember that Jesus talks about him being our peace and that it is the peace that he offers that brings reconciliation between man and God. And so in Romans 10, 14 and 15, it says this, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And doesn't that sound like Paul is suggesting to us, and this is talking to the Roman Christians, the Christians that were in Rome at the time, and, he, and he's saying to them, listen, Like people need the opportunity to call in the name of Jesus, but if they can't, they can't call in the name of Him. They can't believe in Him if they've never heard about Him, and if they've never heard about Him, like how can they hear if nobody goes and preaches? And how can anybody go and preach if they're not sent? And the whole picture here is that uh, it leans into this idea of what it means to be people who are proclaimers of the gospel, gospel proclamation. Right? Uh, We are to be a people who. We receive the good news, we offer the good news. And in offering the good news, we recognize that we are a sent people. We know we're a sent people because Jesus Himself sends us. What a beautiful image, right? So Jesus comes and He says, Listen, I, I got this peace thing that I'm doing here, and it's different than the world's peace. So the peace I give you is different than the world's peace. So take comfort. And in all of that, we, we understand from the passages that we were reading that, that the, peace is, the peace that he's offering is peace with God, peace with others. And he gives us this peaceful mandate where we are proclaimers of the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, listen, as though God were making his appeal through us. So we know what the gospel is, we're a sent people, we're going as ambassadors, and we're representing God. And so the words that people are getting from us, we speak as though God is speaking them in the sense that we proclaim the gospel message as Jesus has given it to us. And then he says, we implore you on Christ's behalf, hear this, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. And so we have this ministry. We have this opportunity, this privilege, this mandate, this calling, if you would, to be people who receive peace and then offer peace. We receive grace, we offer grace. We receive forgiveness, we offer forgiveness. This is the picture of the scriptures. What we receive, we then give. And the beauty of that in all of this is that Jesus paints this incredible picture of what it means to be a people who were once far from God to being a people who now get to go and reach others that were far from God. He says to the Gentiles, right? He says, you who were once far away, right? In Ephesians uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 to 16, right? He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, this is what Paul is telling to the Ephesians, and the beauty of that is that we now then also get to proclaim this message of the gospel to people and offer them this idea of: listen, you can have peace with God, you can have peace with man, and you get a peaceful purpose, or you get to be about the things of God. So I'll say this: we were not created to live in opposition to peace. It's not why we were created. And so because of that, we crave it. We constantly see people craving um, craving peace. But the reality is, is that our hearts, what they really crave for is that perfect peace. I think that's part of what it means to live with a sin-fallen nature. It's this idea that there are certain cravings that we have in life. And, and because of those cravings, we, we tend to try and fill those cravings in life by a variety of means. I know a lot of people who use drugs I know a lot of people who use alcohol I know a lot of people who use other forms of addictive behavior to try and fill that void in life. I know people who chase relationships in a way that is unhealthy in order to try and fill that void in life, codependent relationships. I know people who chase stuff in order to try and fill those things because we have these cravings in life. We crave peace. We crave a perfect peace, and anything short of that will leave us frustrated and wanting more, which is why I think there's this pursuit for more. But when you have something perfect, there's nothing left to pursue. You have it. You get to rest in it, and you get to uh, be cultivated by it. God becomes our perfect peace. Jesus is our perfect peace. And so we cultivate that relationship so that it fleshes out more in our lives. But but we have it. The chasing of things is gone, and Jesus becomes our rest in that. So I believe that it's part of the reason why our world seems to be in a state of unrest. Everybody wants something. We want better economy. We want better relationships. We want more, better. And it comes up short. And so because it comes up short, we constantly try to raise the bar, and find new things and more things. But God's perfect peace sustains us, and it gives us the capacity to live in the messiness of our world. That's the beauty of it. You see, when when the world is chaotic, and it looks at us and it says, how do you have this peace that just doesn't seem to make sense? You know, that peace that surpasses understanding? Like, how are you doing this? I've had families tell me that that the way that they've handled some of the chaos that's come at them in life has been a testimony to others. Um, And it's caused them to ask questions like, how are you doing this? Like, how does this work? It doesn't even make sense to me. And they talk about Jesus. And they have the opportunity to share the gospel because it is what sustains. God, in his perfect peace, sustains us. And he gives us the capacity to live in the messiness of our world. And so whether this Christmas season you are struggling because of the, let's say, COVID virus, maybe you're struggling because of finances, maybe you're struggling because you're trying to figure out how you're doing Christmas, and it just, it just feels chaotic, and your relationships feel strained, and all those kinds of things. Look, I, I just don't want you to miss, especially in this season, I don't want you to miss one of the greatest gifts of Christmas. You see, when, when Jesus came to the planet in this form of this baby, one of the things he brings with him is peace. And I just don't want you to miss out on that. I want you to be able to grab hold of the Savior. And I want you to be able to be able to say, even just today, as you're taking this in, I want you to be able to make peace with God. And why not today? Why not allow perfect peace to reign in your life? Because look, the reality is is that God loves you and He initiated the opportunity for you to have peace with Him and and peace with yourself and peace with others and peace that you're able to just live by and, and, and a peace that doesn't even make sense. But you can have it. You can really have it. I know the world seems chaotic and I know sometimes life feels chaotic. I just want you to know we were not created to live in opposition to the peace in hostility towards the peace. Which is why I think it's so important for us to understand when Jesus says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. So don't let your hearts be troubled. I mean, that just sounds awesome, doesn't it? I want you to live at peace. And I know the Lord wants you to be at peace. And the way to do that is to come to faith in Christ. So would you just pray this with me? Lord Jesus, um, I need peace in my life. I don't have relationship with you, but I just want peace in my life. And, and I understand now that that peace only actually comes from you, that perfect peace. And so Jesus, I just receive you into my life right now as Lord, as Savior, as the one who brings peace. And I ask, Lord, that you would forgive me that you would just take me as your own. You've adopted me into your family. I thank you for your sacrifice on the cross for me, that you love me so much that you would do that. And Jesus, would you help me from this point forward to live for you, to make you first, to be steadfast, focused on you so that I can experience that perfect peace more and more? And if you're here And you're taking this in and you already know Jesus, but you haven't been experiencing that peace. And just pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I know that I have been distant from you for some time and I haven't been experiencing your peace lately. And I'm sorry. I don't want to be distant from you. So Jesus, would you forgive me? Forgive me from neglecting my relationship with you. That's not what I want in life. And I know that you forgive because you tell us that you forgive. And so I thank you for that forgiveness. Would you help me also to live my life with you first, not second or third or fourth? And for all of us, Lord, I thank you for this purpose in life that we have to be able to be ministers of peace. Would you help us to do that all the more in times of chaos where people are desperate for peace? In your holy and precious name I pray, amen.